0: But if you got your Bible, turn it over to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And we're going to read verse number 1 down to verse number 15. You've got your place. Once you find your place, if you'll stand in reverence of the Word of God. And again, thank you, pastor and church, for putting this meeting on. It's just been a joy to be here. A very comfortable place to stay. And y'all have just been very kind to us, as you always are. And we thank you for that. And I appreciate your support and your faithfulness to us. Thank you. Thank you very much for investing in our ministry that the Lord has called us to. Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey." Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not. And wells dig, which thou diggest not. Vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him. And shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for the privilege we have to be able to gather here this morning. Thank you for this meeting that's taken place this week and for what you've done in my heart and in the hearts of many others. And I pray that today that you would be exalted and magnified in everything that's said and done. Oh, I pray that you would have the preeminence in all things. And Lord, we'll give you the glory and the praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Now, here we're finding the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, he, he's, Moses is going through and retelling and, and getting the children of Israel ready to cross over that Jordan River. Of course, we know Moses will not be able to cross in, but he's getting this generation ready. They've been wandering through the wilderness for the last 40 years. And, and now the time has come that they're getting ready to cross into that promised land that God has uh, promised unto them. Now, the first five chapters, Moses is reviewing Israel's past. You see, knowing the past is very important. We can learn from the past... And we should learn from the past. What? Not to make the same mistakes as some has made in the past. We can learn from people's examples. And, and, and he's wanting this new generation to learn from these examples. Uh, to not have the same failures that their fathers did. The, the doubting in the wilderness and the problems they had. But he wants them to be successful when they enter into this new land that God has promised. And you realize their success is based on their obedience to the word of God. Look what the Bible says says in chapter 6 and verse number 18 he says and thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy father so their success is going to be based on their obedience to the word of God now in verse number 15 Moses reminds the children of Israel of one of God's attributes notice what the Bible says for the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you now here uh, we think of the word jealous in our society today jealousy has such a negative tone towards it You know, even if you were to look up the word jealousy in a Webster's dictionary Here's how Webster defines it. He said jealousy is a state of fear It is a suspicion or envy caused by a real or imaginary threat threat But can I say God is not up in heaven sitting there wringing his hands with some imaginary threat or uh, worrying uh, in any aspect at all. As a matter of fact, you'll find in the Bible there are some very good cases of jealousy. Matter of fact, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians eleven two. For I am jealous over you with a goodly jealousy. And so there's a good aspect of jealous. You see, I am jealous. I'm a jealous man. I am jealous over my wife. I am jealous over my children. I am jealous over my grandchildren. You see, there's a good I'm jealous over my church. You see, there's a good aspect of jealousy. And as a matter of fact, the word jealous comes from a little Hebrew word, kana. Matter of fact, take your Bible, keep it in Deuteronomy, but flip over to the book of Exodus. Look over, if you would, in, in uh, the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter number 34. Exodus chapter number 34. Uh, the Bible shows us there in verse number 14. Look what the Bible says in verse number 14. God said, uh, the Bible says, For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord... Whose name is jealous is a jealous God. So God's name is jealous, Kanai Elohim. God is a jealous God. And the word jealous literally, Kanai means to it means to value highly. It means to guard. It means to protect. You see, God is jealous over some things. And that's what he's trying to show the children of Israel when they're getting ready to go into this land of promise. I want to show you three things real quickly here in the book of Deuteronomy that God is jealous over. Take your Bible, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter number 4. In Deuteronomy chapter number 4, look at verse number 1. The Bible says in verse number 1, again, he's rehearsing these things to the children of Israel and he's getting them ready to enter into the promised land. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that you may live, and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. He says, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. You know what God is telling us here? He is jealous over his commandments. He is jealous over his precepts. I'm telling you, listen, God doesn't take it lightly when people mess with the word of God. He's saying, listen, when you enter into this new land that you're going into, you know what you better not do? Mess with my word. He said don't add to it don't take away from it the Word of God is what's going to stand sure don't add to nor take away from it why because Satan has attacked the Word of God from the very beginning look if you would in Genesis keep your place marked but look back over to the book of Genesis and uh, you'll find in Genesis chapter number three in Genesis chapter number three the Bible says now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said unto the water Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You know what Satan started doing right there in the very beginning? He started attacking the integrity of the Word of God. That's what he does right there. Hath God said? Has God really said that? He's causing question marks to rise up in the mind of Eve. Eve. And that's exactly what he will do in your mind. Uh, He'll attack the integrity of the Word of God. He'll attack the interpretation of the Scriptures. If You'll notice in verse number 3, look what he says. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. You know what he's saying? Listen, you're just interpreting what God said wrong. You see, he'll attack the very interpretation of the Word of God, but he'll attack the credibility of the Scriptures as well. Notice in verse number five, he said, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. He's saying, listen, God knows what's going to happen if you eat of this tree. He knows that your eyes are going to be open. You see, what he's saying is, listen, God ain't being honest with you. God is not being truthful with you he's hiding some things you see he'll cause you to question the very integrity of the Word of God the credibility of the Word of God but the of course he attacks the content of the Word of God as well he said ye shall be as God you see he's adding to and I'm telling you listen that's been Satan's attack from the beginning and it's still the same very attack today he'll start making you question do I have a Bible can I rely upon the Word of God and I'm telling you he'll sow those seeds of doubt and he's telling the children of Israel when you come into the land there's one thing you can be sure of that's the word of God don't you add to it don't you take away from it Uh, you keep it solid I'm telling you Jesus told us there in Mark chapter number seven he starts warning about these uh, traditions of the elders Uh, he starts warning in Mark seven here's what he said how be it in vain do they worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men for laying aside the commandment of God Ye hold the tradition of men As the washing of pots and cups And many other such like things you do And he said unto them Full well you reject the commandment of God That you may keep your own tradition He said they literally will take And lay aside the word of God So that they could keep their own tradition. Now, it's what's fascinating is those guys that he is speaking about, those, they call them Zugotes. These, these, these Zugotes, zugots in Hebrew means pairs. They were five sets of, of two pairs of men. They were the president and the vice president of the Sanhedrin. It's these men that went through from the Inner testament period and started laying these foundations of these traditions. And the last of those Zugotes were living during the time that Jesus was on this earth. Uh, the last one, uh, you got the last two, Hillel and Shammai, uh, these two guys, matter of fact, they lived, they were buried right down the road from where we live. I mean, I was in Hillel's tomb the other day putting gospel tracts in there. They'll go in there and pray to these dead rabbis, asking them to bless their homes and their families and, and so forth. I'll put New Testaments in there and gospel. To, they have bookshelves with prayer books, and we'll just stick them in there, man. I mean, they, they go in there. You would be amazed at the idolatry among uh, Hasidic Judaism. It is unbelievable. Uh, brother Sam, you can testify to that. You see, I mean, it is unbelievable. But what they do is they'll hold the teachings and traditions of these men higher than the word of God I have sat there with Orthodox Jews there in Israel and picked them up and start going through scriptures found in the in the Old Testament and they'll say stuff like this I don't have time to read the Nach, the the rest of the Old Testament he said I'll spend six hours a day studying Torah and Talmud spending the reading the first five books of the Bible in the rabbinic writings he said I have never read Jeremiah 31 31 I'm telling you, listen, it's shocking. It'll blow your mind. But you see, what they've done is they've elevated the teachings of men higher than the word of God. I'm telling you, listen, God said when you go into the land, he says, don't add to or take away. Because why? Because God is jealous over his precepts. Secondly, you'll find God is jealous over his possessions. Look in chapter 6 in verse number 23. In verse number 23, the Bible says, And he brought us out from thence, that He might bring us in. He said He brought us out. I'm telling you listen boy thank God. God brought them out of bondage. He brought them out of Egypt. I'm telling you listen we can sit here today and shout because of what God brought us out of. Thank God what He delivered us out of. I'm telling you we've got a lot to rejoice about. We have a lot to shout about for what God has brought us out of. But you see we've got something even better to shout about than what He brought us out of. We've got a, a lot more to shout about of what he brought us into you see, he didn't just save me from hell. He brought me into something. He brought me into And that's what he's showing the children of Israel. He didn't just bring them out of Egypt, brother Chris. He didn't just bring them out to cross them through the Red Sea. God had some great plans for them. And he's bringing them out that he, notice what he said, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. So he brought them out of Egypt. brought them out of bondage to bring them into what? A covenant notice what he said in chapter number five in verse number two look what the Bible says there in verse number two Uh, the Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers but with watch that us even us who are all of us here alive this day the Lord talked with you face to face in the Mount out of the midst of the fire you know what he's saying you've got a real relationship with God God spoke to you. God spoke to you face to face. Over and over you see him talking about this. In chapter number 5, you'll notice as well in verses 24. He said, and behold, the Lord our God has showed us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man and he liveth. Now, therefore, why should we die for this great fire will consume us? If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, then we shall die. You know what they're saying? Brother Chris, we have a real relationship with God. You know, when the prophet, I was preaching about Carmel the other day and the prophet Elijah. uh, You know, when Elijah got up on that mountain, you know what separated him from the prophets of Baal? It was, he had a real relationship with God. He could call on him and he would answer him. He had a real relationship with God. I'm telling you, listen, God brought you out of sin. God brought you into a relationship with him that you can fellowship with him. I'm telling you, listen, he brought us house. We can have a relationship. I'm telling you, we got something great. He brought us out uh, to bring us in. I remember one time we were we were driving down Highway 90, coming out of the Sea of Galilee, heading down south, and and uh, we're getting over towards the ancient city of beth And right there around beth Shean, there's another Old Testament city that's just sitting off on, on the on the side of the road there, and it's called Tel Rehov. Now, Tel Rehov was destroyed during the Assyrian captivity and never rebuilt upon again. Now, we were driving down through there, and my son Daniel was telling me, he goes, oh, here's, here's Tel Rehov,' and he's telling me a little bit of the background of it, and he goes, uh, can we get over there? I said, well, let's try. We got a little bit of time, so we, we drive over there, and we're trying to get in. It's out in the middle of a field, and, uh, and, and, and we're driving around, and during that time of year, everything was grown up. We couldn't find a way to get up to that tail. So we finally abandoned it, and we kept on going. It wasn't probably six months later, I read on Fox News, where a little Israeli boy was walking up on Tel Rehov, on this, this tail. Now, uh, the word tail literally is a heel. It's a man-made heel. You've seen, let me, let me kind of give you a description. You, you've seen like garbage dumps where they will pile up garbage and it's like a, a heel that kind of levels out. Well, that's what a tail kind of looks like it's a man-made city and so they would build it and it would be high up they would build city upon city once they destroyed them and they would have walls and so when you drive through Israel and you start seeing it looks like a, it's not a garbage dump it's an old ancient city normally an Old Testament city you see they didn't build high up on those cities in New Testament times the Romans when they took over they built in the lowlands. so when you see those old tales, it's Old Testament and so uh, so anyway so uh, this little boy this Israeli boy was walking up there on Telric Ove with his family just hiking. They'll ride dirt bikes up there and different things, but they were hiking up there and he looked down he saw this woman staring at him. And he reached down and he pulled out a 2,500 year old statue of Ashtaroth. A pagan goddess. Now could you imagine, you can go in the Israeli museum and see several of these type of statues that they found throughout the land but could you imagine, there was one day somebody took that little old statue and prayed to it. But you know what? That statue never answered back. That statue never responded. I mean, they could offer sacrifices to that thing. Uh, they could have prayed constantly to it, but I'll guarantee you, one thing never happened. That statue never opened its mouth. It never responded back. But I'm telling you, God said, "Listen, I have spoke to you. Uh, you've got a real relationship with me." I'm telling you, listen. We that have been born again can call upon the Lord. We can walk with Him. We've got something better than the world ever could offer. He brought us out, not just us from hell but he brought us into a relationship I'm telling you they had a relationship but he brought them in to bring them into relationship but he brought them in to fulfill his promises you see, look in chapter number six and verse number 10 he says and it'll be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he watched this which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You see, he made that statement which he swore. Uh, notice in chapter 6, verse 23, and he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. You know what God's doing? He's bringing them out. He's bringing them into the land. Why? Because God said he was going to do it. I'm telling you, listen, they can rely upon the truth of the word of God. God said, I'm going to do this for you. And God is exactly doing what he said he was going to do. I'm telling you, he's bringing them out to bring them in to fulfill his promise but God is bringing them also in to give them a better life God had better greater intentions for them notice what he said in in chapter 6 and verse number 10 it'll be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob watch this to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not and whales dig which thou diggest not vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not when thou shalt have eaten and be full you know what God said I want to bring you into the land and I want to pour out my blessings upon you I'm telling you God is bringing them in why because he wants them to have a better life five times you're gonna see this phrase here in the book of Deuteronomy in these first few chapters chapter 6 chapter 5 he'll say this over and over that it may be well with thee. That it may be well with thee. That it may be well with thee. I'm telling you, listen, God's got great things for your life. God had great things for their life. But again, those obedience is based on their obedience to the word of God. I'm telling you, listen, God has something. Kind of reminds me of the the theme of the book of Hebrews. God's something better. You know, they were wanting to go back to that temple. He was like, why in the world would you want to go back to that? we got something better in Jesus Christ, amen. And so God is jealous over his precepts. He's jealous over his possession. But then thirdly and lastly, God is jealous over his position. I want you to notice with me Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 4. Deuteronomy 6, 4 is like the John three sixteen of the Old Testament. This is quoted among Orthodox Jews every single day. It's called the Shema. Shema means to hear. It also means to obey. When he's saying Shema, God's saying, listen up, you better do what's being said. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now from this verse, many uh, Jews today and uh, one in particular who, uh, who established what they call the 13 principles of, of, of the Articles of Faith, uh, Maimonides, He's saying that God is one absolute. This is, what he's, this is not what's being said. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me kind of show you what God is saying here. You've got to keep in mind the context. Look, what, look what's happening here. Because God, in verse number 4, he's saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy soul and with all thy might. You know what? God is saying, listen, they're going to be coming into a land that's filled with many false gods. Look what he says in verse number 14. He said in verse number 14, after God's poured out his blessings on them, he said, thou shalt fear the name of the Lord thy God, verse 13, and serve him, shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee. He's saying, listen, there's all these false gods in this land that you're going to come to. And when you come into this land, he goes, I'm your only God. You don't serve nobody else. You serve me. Only me and me alone. He's saying what? God is saying this. He must be first and foremost in your life I'm telling you God wants the priority in your life and that's what he's telling the children of Israel you come into this land I want to be first place in your life there's no room for second God said put me first make me first obey my command why because God is jealous over his position Not sharing his position with nobody else He said that's my name and my glory Will I not give to another I'm telling you listen But God stresses four areas of our life That he wants the preeminence in The first one is in our heart I want you to notice in verse number 5 He says and thou shalt love the Lord Thy God with all thine heart Now he makes that statement thou shalt love You know what This, this word love Ahava. Uh, the word for love is not here in a command form. And here's what God is saying. God's not saying, you, you better love me. Mm-hmm. That's not what God is saying. No. Not at all. You said, I've never taken my children, Brother Chris. I've never taken my children and said, you better love me. Never. Never have I ever had to tell my kids, you better love me. My kids love me. They automatically, you see this word Ahava is not being used in a command form, but it's, in, it's like a declarative. It's like, of course they love you. Well, I mean, why, why would they not love God? Look at what he's done for them. He brought them out of bondage. He crossed the Red Sea. He brought them into a land of promise. He's about to pour out his blessings. Of course they love him. Why would they not love him? I mean, look, my my kids, man, they love me. Why? Because look at everything I've done for them. I mean, I'll sink my life into them, pour my life into them, providing for them. Just as God has done for you and I, of course we love Him. You see, the command is not to love. Love is already expected. Why would you not love him? He saved you. He brought you out. You don't have to worry about going to hell. I mean, you've got a future home in heaven. Uh, uh, We are seated in the heavenlies right now. We've got the blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, upon us right now. Why would we not love him? Here's what he's saying. Because you do love him. He says this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Here's the key. With all. He's saying look at everything I've done for you because of everything I've given you God said listen I want every area of your life I want all your heart Amen. they say and I'm not a doctor by no means but they say that the heart is made up of four different chambers and you realize God wants the preeminence in every aspect of He goes through and he starts describing not just the heart here, but he starts going through. Matter of fact, Jesus even warned us in Mark chapter 7 that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And he warns us about all that wickedness that comes out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covenants. The list goes on and on. I'm telling you, listen, if God could peek into the, and he can, into the four chambers of our hearts, what would he see? If we could peek into the four chambers of our hearts, what do we see? God wants every aspect of it He, he stresses the heart But then he speaks about the hand in verse number 8 He says and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes So he speaks about the hand The hand speaks about serving And that's what he, he he talks about in verse number 13 Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him I'm telling you listen what God is saying here Listen when you serve me do it with all your might When you're going to live for me do it with all your might I mean everything you do do it for the glory Glory of God speaks about our service he speaks about the head in verse number eight put it as frontlets between your eyes you know what he's saying he's saying our thoughts the very thoughts in our mind, everything we do, that's what he's saying. Listen, I want the center, I want to be the centerpiece of your life. In your, in your, in your hands, in your heart, and your head. And you know, the Bible tells us in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, listen, to have that same mind of Christ. But then he shows us in uh, verse number seven. Now to verse number 9 He wants preeminence in our homes as well He says in verse number 7 And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house When thou walkest by the way When thou liest down When thou risest up Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine head They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house And on thy gates And it shall be when the Lord thy God Shall have brought thee into the land Which he sware unto thy fathers I'm telling you what's he saying He's saying I want the preeminence in every aspect In every area of your life I want to be first and foremost in your life. That is what he is trying to tell us here. You know, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 19 says this What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We have been bought, we are a purchased possession. And therefore, because we are a purchased possession, he owns every aspect of us. God help us not to surrender all to him. My brother, my brother, he's just just got a heart of gold. I mean, he has just got a heart of gold. Good as they come. He's the biggest redneck you'll ever meet in your life. I mean, just heart of gold. Man, he's just as good as they get. He's got, I don't know how many, the last I heard, I don't know if he's got more since then, about 23 stents they put in his heart. You know, last time I talked to him, he had got one, I was leaving the hospital, I said, where are you going? He said, oh, I'm sitting here at Waffle House. I said, what in the world are you doing at Waffle House? I mean, he left the hospital, getting another stint, and he goes to Waffle House, you know. That's just him. It is. And... Uh, you know they had to t- put them stents in, and it opens those arteries up and lets that blood flow. Get that blood flowing in there again. You know, there might be some people sitting here tonight, today. You need a stent. Just need to get the blood flowing again. Just need to, just need to get back and examine, Lord, you have every hair of my life. Maybe a hey, some needs to get a bypass. You know. Too late for them stints. but God told us about getting a new heart in Jeremiah if you've never entered into that covenant I know I'm probably preaching everybody say this morning, but you might need a new heart this morning I don't know your state don't know your condition I read this I read this one time and I don't know where I read it it probably was a fortune cookie it kind of sounds like one I have no idea but it was good it was a Chinese proverb it said this the best time to plant a tree years ago. Man, I wish I could go back. Sometimes, I wish I could go back. But they said the second best time is today. It's today. It's today. Can't go back, but today, today, I can determine. Today, I can determine. Lord, you're going to be first in my life. I want you first. I'm reminded as the psalmist said, and I close with this in Psalm 86. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Boy, the hunger you see in the psalmist here. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify thy name forever. Does he have all your heart this morning? Father, we love you. Pray that you'd have your will and way in Jesus' name.